Welcome to another edition of Reptile Fight Club. We are joining you again. Welcome to Thunderdome. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, my name's Justin Julander. I am the owner and proprietor of Australian Addiction Reptiles, and with me is my co-host Chuck Poland. And I am a schlub. <laughs> we're all schlubs, man. Well, but we're, but we're schlubbable, so it's nice. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. How's it going? Good. Good, yeah. man. Long good. time no Excellent. see. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are things? Things good? Good. Good. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Staying, staying busy. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, what's uh, anything new going on? <sighs> no. No. You know, when, when people are listening to this, we're going to be out herping the deserts of California. That's, that's true. That's I true. I cannot wait to get back into the desert to herp. I when will place. now be then? <laughs> uh, now. Wait, then. Just now. <laughs> now, uh, now? I love that sequence. That's it's, one of the funniest. It's yeah. the greatest. It truly what is, is this? <laughs> yeah. This is this now. Is now. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm itching to herp. Like I I don't know. I've been been looking at uh people's pictures on Instagram or or Flickr or whatever from Australia and oh man, I need to get back to Australia. It's killing me. Yeah. I need well, to you're not even going to do it this year. I know. I know. I'm ditching out on the guys. You got to you got to like you got to like <sighs> reel that back in, buddy. You got to yeah. you got some time before you're going to get back there. This is true. You're going to have to settle for the 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 west yeah yeah that's okay the west is good no the I'm west is very good you're gonna do a nice trip down to to mexico so that'll be fun that's go, true go too. Get some, some snorkeling with sea lions <laughs> that'll be yeah. cool and some herping unbeknownst to your your, yeah, co, exactly. your co-traveler hey i'm always in herp mode you know i know Walking that well, i know that you gotta, they're you gotta about get to find in the, out <laughs> gotta get in the incidental herping yeah. yeah 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 for sure yeah we did find a, a midget faded rattlesnake on one of the canyons that i did with my buddy in in uh, southern utah that was pretty cool southeast that is utah. pretty cool yeah it was it was a nice one too really uh, nice pink color did you uh, take pictures or anything oh yeah yeah i posted on my website i think did but, you? Okay. Yeah, it's a while back. It's a few years back. Oh, that was the oh. same canyon I got uh, stuck in with my daughters overnight. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yeah, I, I remember this adventure. story. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a uh, uh, an entertaining one. Spontaneous adventure, I believe, is the correct word. For sure. Misadventure implies a mistake <laughs> on your part. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, all, yeah, you could have attributed it to me. It's I, all planned yeah. surprises. Yeah, they're all go. planned there surprises. You go. Yeah. But it, I mean it worked out all right. We all survived and everybody was kind of none the worse for the wear. We That's did find you, a, a hatchling banded uh gecko. Or, see? Yeah. Uh a Utah banded gecko. I think it was a Utah banded gecko. I mean it was in Utah, but <laughs> it was I would not have expected one to be there it was kind of a, a surprise like and and it was funny because we'd found a i found a little canyon tree frog and i'm showing the kids hey check this out or something and they're like oh he's tiny i'm like well, not really and then i realized there was a banded gecko hanging out on the same rock as the as the tree frog so that was kind i'm of sure cool. they were both as surprised to see you as you were yeah. to see them and i had no 
battery power left on my phone, so I no pictures. I kind of feel bad about that, but that was a pretty cool little lizard. Um, yeah. So, you know, the misadventures can sometimes be rewarding in that but way. But did you die? I did, did not die. Did you die? Nobody it was, died. It was wonderful. Yeah. I don't think my oldest daughter's ever going to go out on a on a camping trip with me, a backpacking really? trip with me again. Yeah, oh. I kind of burned that bridge a little, but maybe what? she'll forget about it, all the pain and misery she had. Yeah. She was like just, my just, rock. She was the strength of the trip. She took care just, of the younger siblings while I went out and tried to get back to the car. But <laughs> you use the use the collective power of the family to reel her back in. There you go. Yeah. Well, any uh you hear any good podcasts lately? Any good information Man. out there? I have not listened to a single podcast because I have been too stupid busy. Uh oh, that's I not good. Uh, it's lame. It's lame. Yeah. It's lame sauce. Like lame. like is as lame as it gets. So, <laughs> well, tell me about it. I'm yeah. Not, I, I, started I like listen- to swim. I don't like <laughs> treading water. <laughs> there you go. I I started listening to the Rally Pythons Radio podcast their most recent one i guess they had a bunch of delays um, i was like man i'm not seeing much new stuff coming from eric and owen lately but i guess they had um a few setbacks and so they weren't able to record uh last couple weeks so um it was nice to to see one of their episodes and they were they did a book club and they talked about the secret li- uh, secret social lives of reptiles that book by uh sean duty duty <laughs> sorry that was that was terrible uh vladimir Donets and gordon berghart so it's a cool book i i started reading it haven't made it too far in but yeah some uh, fun stuff in that book for sure so nice. eric and owen talk about all the the cool things that they enjoyed from the book so kind of a cool idea you know talk, book club i think um i know i've heard uh, the guys on the the herpticulture network do um some some of those kind of things. Uh, yeah. Book, book club type things. Book, book report. It's a book. <laughs> yeah, report. exactly. Exactly. Book, book report. <laughs> I think they were, at least they mentioned, uh, Eric and Owen mentioned they were delayed because, you know, it took a while to read the book and they kept, they thought they'd get it done sooner or something. So, yeah, but it was an enjoyable one. I, I really enjoyed listening to their take on the book and yeah. thinking about social lives of reptiles is, is a cool, cool topic for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of cool things in the reptile world for sure. Um, I I got a a couple new books recently. One is the the Monitor Lizard book um, by Bernd Einmuller. Uh, he's kind of the European king of monitor lizards. He's kept and bred a lot of things. Some of the you know world's first breedings, it seems, have come from him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know there was, a, there was a period of time where uh, the Europeans were pretty much the only ones doing good with monitors. Yeah, like, right. Like, I mean, yeah. No, I'm, Tell, I'm sure maybe that's French not, I'm sure came that, along. Or yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. not probably the case, but maybe yeah. maybe a little bit, you know. Oh, that was a fun time though. That whole monitor resurgence back in the you know early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s, and. Pretty cool. Now there's there. It's kind of we kind of kind of take it for granted how you know for how sure it can be done. Yep. Um, not that I've had that much success. I I really enjoy monitors, but they're a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It for takes sure, a lot to keep those guys happy enough to to breed and to breed you know repeatedly. So hats off you gotta to those be guys a busy, who make it work. A busy food monkey. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of food monkeys, man, that Mike sure does a good job with his monitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few species I want to keep before I die. So yeah. I'm, I might have to wait till I'm retired or have more time on my hands before I can keep some of them or have more room, I guess, to, to do yeah. them justice. But yeah, there's a few more on my list that I need to tick off before I die and enjoy. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough to do it in the back 40 in Utah though. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a lot of outdoor. Well, I mean, during the summer I can keep them outside, yeah. but it's still you gotta have pretty indoor, cold at night. Yeah. It's, you, you, gotta, you still need to have an indoor. Gotta, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and there's probably some monitors that would do okay. And mm-hmm. I, I know like, I know uh, I was ta- <clears throat> talking to Bert Langworth and, and he was saying, oh yeah, if you could get some, you know, Varanus Grissius, the desert monitors, he's like, they come from an area that's very similar to Utah. You know, maybe not so much snow, but gets very cold and mm-hmm. harsh deserts and things. So that might be, <laughs> he, he was recommending try. that for keeping outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Be kind of cool. Well, yeah, maybe someday, I don't know. Grissius are not readily available. I saw there, there was a few in the country for a while there, but they, I think they got either confiscated or just kind of faded away, but yeah, it's unfortunate. There's some cool, cool monitors out there. I'm, I, I need to go find more in, in Australia. There's still some, some ones I need to take off the list, but like as far as seeing them in the wild, but mm-hmm. yeah. You always I'm more itching, man. I'm I know. Itching. I see yeah, it. There's too I many cool it. species. Yeah. Yeah. Those ants in your pants. This podcast brought to you by Virgin Airlines. <laughs> go to Australia. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, nice to get over there again. Hopefully yeah, sooner than later. That's what you need is a Virgin Airlines sponsorship. Free is that round, even, do they even go? Free round I'm, I'm thinking, miles to Australia. I'm thinking Qantas. I should have said, not Qantas, is Qantas Airlines. Qantas, that's the Australian yes. airline. I don't know what I'm talking about. Isn't Virgin, well, isn't that owned is, by an Australian guy? Maybe uh, not. Virgin is, well, isn't that uh, Richard, Richard Branson? Branson? Is, he an, he is he an Australian? I thought he was an Aussie. I don't know. Uh, if if not, I apologize to. I don't know if, if Australia would <laughs> would claim him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might have to. That might be a hard sell. I don't yeah. know. Oh, don't there know. was a there was a good get together of some of my Aussie buddies over over uh, at Deb and uh, Wayne's place. Uh, uh, Peter and Joanne Birch were there, mm-hmm. and Troy Kuligowski, and mm, looks like they were having it, a lot of fun. I missed out. Yeah, yeah. did they rub one, it in? Made me miss it. Ah, uh, they were nice. They they were uh, nice about it. But yeah, that that was that was tough to. I need to get over there and hang out with those guys again. They're such I'm good sure. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good Definitely. folks. Miss my Aussie buddies. Yeah. All right. Well, what are we gonna fight about today? Eggs. Eggs. All right. Do you like them hard boiled or, or over easy or scrambled? I like them poached. Ooh, I, I can't get on board with that. You're going to po- fight me on that one. <laughs> I poach my eggs right from my females. <laughs> I'm a poacher. <laughs> we had a very nice uh, uh, discussion topic brought up and, and suggested to us. By Lucas, and I don't even know if I w- want to try your last name. I'll probably butcher it, but Indger. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, but in- we Integer? Appreci- 
Integer? In, in, integer? Yeah, he is something. indivisible. All right. All right. A little math humor there. Ah! You missed Pi Day, though. Pi Day was well, a couple days ago. so You can't, you can't bring up old stuff. <laughs> well, thank you, Lucas, for suggesting this topic. We're going to talk about maternal versus artificial incubation. So... I, I, I'm itching to fight about this one. Yeah, I, I have it pretty I, strongly. Oh God. Really? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Well, hopefully I get my, my topic. Well, we'll if see. If not, I'll be pissed. So, well, okay, here we go. You ready you for the coin toss? Gonna, I'm going to yeah. flip, I'm going to flip it like, just like old times. Let's see if, ah, you're, if your plan of, works. <laughs> you're full of, you're full of hooey, dude. Hey, just cause I win one. I mean, come yeah. on. You, you won the odd one. Just cause year. I win one doesn't it's mean a... that I'll flip it funny. <laughs> All right, flip it. All Let me right. See. Here you go. All right. That's heads. It is. You ah, it. That's because you, you did. You didn't do your normal flip. You did. You're your like extra, timing it in the air. Your, I, I watched you flip it. <laughs> you got me all messed you. up. I don't know. Dude, I, I don't, don't know got what you it's messed gonna... up. I got you all figured out. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you must got, be. You, you must be. You better got than, you messed uh, up. Listen. Yeah. I no, take notes good. when I lose because I don't like. I'm just. To lose. I'm just saying. I'm impressed. Like you know, you, you switched it up. You didn't call tails, and you won it. You know, that's impressive. Way you to can, go, man. You can beat me. You can beat me. but And I'll leave with my tail between my legs. <laughs> but I'm coming back. Come back. Yeah, yeah. You're a fighter, man. You're a fighter. Okay, well, you won. So what side of the argument do you wish to defend? Artificial or maternal incubation? I will defend artificial incubation. Artificial is the best, huh? Well, I don't know I if it's will, the best, but that's what I'm defending. I will gladly go with maternal incubation. Yeah, I think I even I even think I served you up the side you wanted. <laughs> that, yeah, might might have served it up know. to you, sunny side Let's up. See how it goes. You, you can see a big smile on my face. So. I do see a big smile on your face. All right. Well, let's get to it here. Okay. Well, since I won, you can start. Hey, I'll start. I'll start. start. Don't you start I, with I me. I will start. <laughs> I will start with you on this one for sure. Okay. Maternal incubation is far superior to artificial incubation. I mean, these animals, and, and I guess we're, we got to clarify, we're talking about pythons, right? Because you don't get a lot of maternal incubation with many other species. There are some females that maybe stick with the eggs, um, but pythons have evolved and adapted to wrap their bodies around the eggs and keep them at a certain temperature and moisture even. Um, sometimes they'll even shiver their muscles to generate heat to increase the temperature of the clutch. Um, you know, 15, what is it? 15 million, 50 million. I don't know. Some, some odd million years can't be wrong. Um, they're, they're, they've evolved to do this and they've, uh, they do a very good job of it. So, you know, why, why mess with nature? Go with what uh, they've evolved to do. And, and uh, now obviously that takes some support on the keeper end. You've got to make sure that your, your cages are, are set up properly and that they can get the temperatures they need to be able to maternally incubate their clutch. But um, I think there's a lot of benefits to maternal incubation. I will start out with that little tidbit. Wow. Over so, to you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so what you're saying is that it's not just all on the uh, on the on the female uh, when you're incubating these eggs on 
her incubating these eggs. Don't you, you put words to, in my don't you put you you have to do your part, right? You have to set okay. it up correctly. Yeah. So if you don't set it up correctly, uh it, it you know it, it it definitely you know so the so so the females having to select potentially a subpar uh place to lay those eggs, she doesn't really have a choice. So she'll make the best worst decision she can. Um, and you have to make sure that, that you're supporting that female. And if you don't, obviously things can go awry. And I mean, heck, as, as you've even said in, in the not so distant past, you know, you, you, you've had some, some bum luck with some females that just didn't do very well with maternal incubation. They're just, they're bad moms. They're bad moms. Just call them bad moms. You know what I mean? Don't do, do well with the eggs. The eggs don't fare well. Uh, and, and, and the, and the clutches end up kind of being train wrecks. So maybe that's a case where, you know, if you were to collect those eggs and you were to put them in an optimum, you know, environment, um, that, that, that potentially, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the die off or, or some of the issues that you have. I mean, maybe, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but you know, you're definitely potentially leveraging a, a better, better outcome by, uh, collecting those eggs, um, Certainly, mm. I, I, you know, certainly mm. I, I think there's, there's definitely a case where, uh, artificial incubation is, 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 uh, definitely the way to go. I mean, I've, I've done, mo I've done, I've never actually maternally incubated a clutch, uh, which, you know, it, it is both, uh, okay with me and, you know, <laughs> sad, sadly, sadly, you know, just pitiful. Um, oh, you're messing out. You're you gotta you gotta let it go with your uh, your outdoor. Well, you would think with my yeah, you gotta you try would, it out. You'd think with my zen with my zen mentality about mm -hmm. things that I would be much more of a maternal incubator. But uh, there is an inner control freak, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta let that control go. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. To see oh, I, those I, babies emerging from their mother's coils, it's it's pretty sweet. And just to yeah. I don't know, I and. You know, like I said, they 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 know what they're doing to some extent. You know, you, you do have some females that may may not like. And you know, talking about maybe aspidites, they're they're not necessarily. Um, I think there there's a possibility that they're in the environment where they're living in burrow systems of other animals, where they're they have a, a humid environment that probably stays warm. They're semi tropical, at least the blackheads are. And so, you know, they, they probably can just leave their eggs in an, in a burrow and they'll probably hatch out fine. There was a study by uh, Shine's group that showed that water pythons actually a lot of times will leave their eggs in a burrow and uh, because the temperatures are right um, and, you know, they, they fared okay. So I guess you know, they're not maternally incubating, but they're naturally incubating, I guess, in, in, in a burrow. So, um, I don't know what you'd classify that as because <laughs> nobody's taking them and putting them in a controlled environment. So, and, and also, uh, I mean, their nature doesn't necessarily always support maternal incubation either. And there are failures in nature too. So, you know, you got to expect a, a miss here and there. And, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a an incubator at the ready in case things go wrong. You know, there's no, no reason just to let all the eggs die because the female decides not to wrap around them. Now, another interesting thing is the female usually knows which eggs are good and which eggs are worth, you know, wrapping around. And so, 
Um, I, for example, this uh, Woma female that laid for me, she had an egg excluded out of her coils and she actually wrapped the eggs really nicely. It was a lot of people commented on that, like, wow, you got a female Woma to wrap her eggs. Usually they just kind of lay them and drape around them loosely or, or just leave them in the cage. So, you know, think you've got to know your species. You got to know the, the animals that you're working with and kind of know um, their natural history. And that will definitely help uh, you have better success in, in mat uh, maternal incubation attempts. Um, but, you know, there, there have been some reports as well on females that are, you know, incubating their eggs in nature. So this was an older publication. I believe Shine was one of the authors on this one too. It was back in 1985. And they just reported like some findings of maternal incubating females in the field. And a couple of them had abandoned their nests because the, the weather conditions were not great. You know, it started mm -hmm. raining a lot and they were in a place where it was just not conducive to stay with those eggs and they ended up abandoning them. And I think in some instances, the eggs were collected and artificially incubated and they got a couple to hatch out, but win um, for me. No, no, no. I mean, it was a win for nobody. That, that was a train wreck, you know, well, it was a win for whoever made it out of the egg. <laughs> yes. That's true. That's true. So yeah, I guess, uh, as a backup, you know, your side might have a, have some validity yeah, as a backup. I, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I, well, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, it could be a backup if you want to take the more risky way of, of, of doing things. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, the stability that you look, no, no, no doubt that artificial incubation is cooler. Like it's definitely like more of artificial is cooler. Oh, or, or, no. or maternal is cooler. Yeah. Sorry, it's yeah. definitely cooler. Win for me, <laughs> but but uh, always with the butts, Chuck. Yeah, well, that's 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 because you like your big butts, and you that, cannot lie. That's because your argument is but. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, I just think that if you know if you can create an environment that is optimum conditions and put those eggs into that, you're leveraging your best outcomes. Uh, you're 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 creating an environment that is hard to do in in somewhere dynamic like a cage where you can hold a steady environment that if you do it right and you're good at setting up your your incubation chamber and your thermostat and your and your um and, and your incubator thank you jesus uh then you know it, it can it, it, it it's an optimum it's an optimum condition for doing those eggs now does that mean every egg makes it or 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 conditions can't become suboptimal uh they can but if you mm -hmm. set it up right and you pay attention to it they stay optimum and so i think you know um you know, sure, you can do artificial incubation as a backup when mom fails and things start to go south and you rely on old faithful or you have the option to just go old faithful right from the jump and, and, and you'll, you'll get probably as good or better of an outcome. So for me, I just think that artificial w wins the day. Is it as cool or flashy? It's kind of like, you know, the YouTube or the Instagram of, uh, oh. uh, uh, of today, you know? Oh, did you maternally that. incubate that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Mr. Optimal. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, what if you have Owen brain and you forget to turn on your incubator? What then? Is that optimal? No. Is there a cure for what if brain you're, uh, I mean, what if your what if your 
thermostat fritzes out and you cook all like all your clutches in, in the incubator, you know, you're, you're out the whole season. That's not optimal. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the incubator. You might bump it and it, you know, eggs roll or you, know, you, you drop a, drop a, a container full of eggs and they roll across the floor and get all scrambled up. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with artificial incubation as well. Um, I don't know. Like there's, there's definitely some downsides to artificial incubation. Well, if had. you suck, like if you're just like, <laughs> Oh, the trail oh, rolling across the floor. I mean, that's kind of all right. Hey, I get, accidents I get, happen, man. Accidents I, get, happen. I, get, I get that. I get that you're, you know, you, you want to throw in there that, that your thermostat doesn't breaks and goes wide open and cooks everything. Yeah. That that's possible, but it's not mm. likely. It's not, it does yeah, happen. It happens, yeah. It, yeah well, it and it, it depends on the type of equipment you're using. I mean, if you're using, um, you know, I mean, obviously anything electrical can break, like anything mechanical mm. can break. I mean, that's always, that's always an option, you know, um, you know, two months of no sun and, and cold temperatures is an option in nature too. So there's no guarantee yeah. in life about anything, but you know, with a, with a quality incubator, uh, and, and a good thermostat, you can be relatively assured with a proper setup and, and a little bit of attention to detail that you can be pulling, you know, good, good, safe, uh, incubation, no, no fail. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that might be true for some species. And I mean, let's, let's talk precision, right? I mean, you've got a female that kind of can sense when the temperature's right or when it's not so right. And so they can loosen or tighten their coils. They can, you know, they've, they've been known to, um, increase the, the humidity by, you know, urinating if they need to, to, to kind of increase the, the moisture levels of the clutch. There's all sorts of things that the female can do. And she senses a lot better than we can. I mean, if we open the incubator and the eggs are sinking in too early, you're like, Oh crap, what do I, you know, I'm going to add more water. And then that has the revert and then they swell up and then they go bad because you're fiddling around with them and can't figure out which, which to, what to do with them. Female is going to know a lot better than a keeper if things start to kind of go downhill. And also, I mean, I've, I've the, of the few uh, maternally incubated clutches I've done, like the eggs don't look great, but they hatch and the babies that come out, they seem more robust. They seem, you know, a little, more feisty or, or full of life. They usually absorb all their yolk, things like that. So, um, there are things that you can get as a, as an added benefit when you do uh, maternal incubation, right? What you got? I for can't that, believe Al? I cannot, I cannot, I cannot believe you just use that. Uh... Mm. You can't believe it. We'll believe well, it. Buddy. Just... it. That just happened. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'll yeah. stop yelling. It's all right. It's all what right. you got? Yeah, you're you're speechless. No, I I'm not. I am a little continue. I am a little speechless because you're 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 uh you're what I is mean, that uh, what is that Try doesn't to... equal causation? What is that? A cor correlation doesn't equal causation. So okay. you know, here's a scientist telling okay. me all these like, oh, I seen this and this and this, and that's the way it is. No, that's that's there that's, was a that's, there was a published study. Yeah, it's been studied. so. So, so across how yeah, you know, how big was the study? That was pretty big. It was on uh, 
ball pythons in oh my um, god maternally versus artificially incubated like they do on the farms so it's pretty interesting all right fair fair but you know i think again uh you know they saw an increase in feistiness like zest like right now with you (laughs) like like with you yeah exactly increasing your feistiness larger larger and more robust hatchlings now there were problems with the study so i will admit oh whoa what Really? No way, wait a minute. Way, what? Funny, yeah. You're pushing. You're pushing bad study on me. <laughs> Not necessarily as, bad as study. There were, at least, there were at least you're issues. being on. At least you're being honest and hey, saying that maybe there were some problems. Honest. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, there that's that's a potential outcome of of maternal versus uh, at least from the data we have. There's a potential. Um, so 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 can benefit. we agree? Can we agree that mm-hmm. that in our modern day of technological age that we have instruments for measure that if you spend enough money, you can get a high degree of accuracy and precision? Can mm-hmm. we agree? Yeah. Okay. I think so, so so you can do you can through you know the uh, th- through technology, you can have these sensory data just like the mother can uh by not possessing those skills if you have the right uh technology at play and and the point being is as long as you set it up correctly and you use you know your 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 knowledge and your best understanding of science and using the best technology you can leverage it, as good, if not better, outcomes lacking the external sensory um, inputs that that female might have. Can we agree about that? I mean, it's possible. I don't think you can get the the precision that a female can provide because you don't know what's going on inside that egg like she does. I mean, the the well, does she, do, haven't we, evolved are, over the last several million years. Is it? Is it? <laughs> are, are 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 you saying? That that female knows exactly what's going on in that egg, or, or, or do you just say she's reacting to external stimulus? And, and I, I and think there's a little and bit so, of both. So they, and, and so and so, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on mm-hmm. a minute. Okay. So so in, in in a lot of these maternal incubation studies, these females take these eggs way up to like ninety something degrees. And they'll incubate mm-hmm. them at that period for a while, and then they're back down, and they're they're up. Yeah. Now, is that because she's so precise in in the way that she's incubating, and she knows exactly how high she can take them up, or how long, or maybe she 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 lacks a level of precision, and and is doing that as a safe parameter that that she knows she can operate in. Maybe she doesn't need to. Um, maybe it's not as important to or 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 she's not able to control the exact temperature of that egg so she expends her resource to take it all the way up because she gets the 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 sensory input that things are too cold so she warms them up with her body she takes them up very high and the egg can tolerate them and that's fine that's fine but does that necessarily mean she knows better than what you can do optimally in an incubator I mean, that's, that's a good question. I don't know if that's known. Um, I would, I would think that the female would probably have a better sense of things than, than we could, despite all our 
technology. And I mean, you need to watch more Simpsons episodes because if you saw what happened at itchy and scratchy land, when, you know, they relied on technology and the robots just about killed everybody. I mean, that's, that's some serious business there. You know, you don't want to, you don't want a giant metal rat chasing you. Anyway, I think, uh, you know, that, uh, what I was going to say before Dave Barker, they had national geographic out filming some of their pythons. I don't know if you caught that segment on the Barkers, uh, on national geographic. I don't know if it's national geographic wild, but it was back. It was a, a while back, but it's pretty, pretty cool looking at back when the Barkers bred a lot of different species. Anyway, they had a children's Python that was, uh, laying eggs when the film crew was there. And so they set up their cameras and filmed this female, um, laying her eggs and, and, and settling the clutch. And she went to, uh, an egg in the clutch and she was kind of nosing it and f- tongue flicking and stuff like that. And then she like used her head and neck and just kind of flipped it out of the clutch. And, and, and Dave grabbed, took, I think he said he took the egg and put it back in her clutch and, he just thought, what did she do that for? And so she, the female like kind of started wrapping around and then she started nosing the eggs again. And then she picked that same egg and, and grabbed it with her neck and flipped it out of the clutch again. And uh, it was, you know, he, he was just like, Holy cow. I've, you know, I haven't, haven't ever witnessed this behavior. That's really cool. Um, and, and that egg was infertile and it, you know, didn't go on to hatch or anything. Um, so she knew it was a bad egg and flipped it out of the clutch. Now, um, that, that footage exists with national geographic and Dave asked them cause it didn't, they didn't put it in the program. And so Dave asked about it and they said, yeah, it's a million dollars to buy that, uh, or some, you know, some outrageous amount to buy sure. that footage. It was, but it was kind of, kind of interesting to, to think about, you know, the females kind of know you know, what, what eggs are worth incubating, which, what kind of temperatures they can withstand. Now, I, you know, we did, we put in these little temperature probes with our, um, with some anteresia when we were writing the. So let me ask you this. Well, let me, have let you me ever, finish real quick. Hold on. Have you ever seen, oh. have you ever seen snakes incubate bad eggs? Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, not a slug. But and and it may be keeper error that the result. I, I have I have an example of that too. But so anyway, the we put in the temperature probe in with the clutch, right? So as the female was laying, I saw she was laying. So I got this little temperature uh, sensor probe that records the the temperature data. So I put it in the middle of the clutch. She laid a couple more eggs, wrapped it all around. So the thing was embedded in the middle of the clutch. And then you know after the eggs hatched, I could go in and dig it out of the the egg shells that were remaining. And that was a successful clutch. All the babies hatched. They all did great. They were very robust and and happy upon hatching. And, uh, the, um, I, I got the data and I imported and I'm like, Holy cow. Like they got up into the nineties, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in some sometimes, and you know, there was a, there was a natural cycle of temperatures, which you'd expect in, in nature as well. Like you, you don't just have a constant, temperature unless you're somewhere close to the equator or you know something like that so um and these this was going up and down and and getting pretty high now if you set your incubator at 90 you know you're going to cook those eggs pretty good but apparently they can handle 90 for a certain amount of time and the female probably can 
adjust that a little bit if she needs to loosen her coils or whatever, let more airflow in or something. But, but I don't think there's any objective evidence that that putting an egg into thermopause because it, it goes down into the low into the low end and then goes way up into the high end is any better than running a, 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 a an incubation uh, it, it you know in the middle of of that range you know but you don't right? know that well you don't know that either well yeah so how are you claiming that one's better than the other you well i'm know. not i'm just i'm just saying you 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 started this out saying that maternal incubation is far superior and you're using these you know these analogies of the female understanding and being able to you know work within this you know range and 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 i just i don't think there's any objective evidence other than some studies that have had some problems <laughs> that, that, that 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 maternal okay. incubation is better show me a study without problems but you know from the data that they gathered it did show Ouch, that maternal incubation is good it's not that's not well, that you should can, not be. You can design the best experiment in the world. Things still go wrong, right? But that doesn't mean you throw everything out that you've discovered from that study. Anyway, their data did show that maternal incubation had a benefit, right? That it was that it was better than than their artificial incubation technique. Well, what was um, their artificial incubation technique? Um, they put the eggs in a warm, stable environment with uh, high humidity. And just like you would in an incubator, except it wasn't an incubator. <laughs> so what they didn't use an like incubator. In a, it was in a hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, was, so there you, know. you go. So, so but that's what they do, you know, over in the, in a lot of those farms, they just uh, incubate that way. Uh, I get that. But, but know. now you're, <laughs> I mean, that's, so it's successful that, enough, you know. Well, I mean, it's not I mean, an apt comparison though, because we're talking yeah. about an incubator that's ideal conditions, not a hole in the ground, which is subject right. to it. So, so what well, you're you saying, saying is ideal. I, I'm not sure what you're basing well, so, ideal on. So, so okay. So one, you have a, a female who can moderate temperature and humidity, and then uh -huh. the other, you have a hole where those eggs are just subject to whatever the environmental conditions are going on right there, right? Well, they're pretty That's, stable because they're underground. Well, okay, so the, but you know, thermal but, stable earth but, around. <laughs> okay, but it's still subject to the environment, right? Whereas the incubator is only subject to the condition, the inputs that are put into there. Right? Okay, so, so who's defining ideal though? That's what I want to know. Like, is it ideal to have a set stable temperature or is it ideal to have a fluctuation? Well, I think you could ask an, uh, uh, you know, I think you could ask a snake, which it, which it likes more, whether it likes large fluctuations in temperatures or whether it likes to have a fairly steady, like, do, okay, do you think that snakes have a preferred <laughs> body temperature? Sure. Okay, it, it, you have a differs, preferred body temperature, right? And it differs you, uh, for different jobs, right? Like, but, but why? The preferred body temperature is probably higher for a female that has eggs that she's about to lay um, because she needs to keep those eggs warm enough that they, you know, move in the right yeah. direction. But, you know, she she might get above that a little bit and that's okay. And they have a little bit of plasticity, plasticity and, and some you know, handling of, of, uh, varied conditions, um, built in. Right. So that's what I'm saying. What's optimal. How do you define optimal? Well, is it 80, 87.8 or is it 89 or is it 86? What, what's, optimal? Well, I, listen, I, I, I can't tell you because I'm not, I'm not a Python, but 
we can both <laughs> sit here and agree that there are optimal temperatures that 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 they do certain required functions at right sure that, that, that they need potentially yeah okay but, but whether that's optimal or whether that's just you know what what's necessary uh, I, I don't know it's hard to say it's optimal if it was optimal um well i just don't understand why why, why would having an increase why, why so so the, so the question becomes is artificial incubation like at the wrong temperature better than maternal incubation uh, at, at a varied temperature, right? Like, so how do you know, like what you're basically saying is, and what I was saying was that, you know, at an artificial incubation it, with the correct setup, I'm not saying that what I do is the correct setup. I'm just saying if, mm -hmm. if you knew what that was, having that stability over the long course of, of the incubation of those eggs is, you know, uh, an optimal is an optimal. I'm not saying I know what that is. And I'm not saying yeah. I set it up that way, but if you could figure out what that is, if you knew what that was, would that not be better than the, the, uh, would that female, if you could set her up in an optimal environment mm -hmm. and, and she had to do less work, i.e. she could get off her eggs sooner. She could mm -hmm. eat sooner. She could not have to worry about the eggs. Would that not be of a better benefit to her? So artificially yeah. incubating those eggs in an, an artificial environment that is, quote, optimum, whatever that is, does that not free the female up to eat more? Does it not free her up to go about her life? Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, you could definitely do that. Uh, I, I don't know that that's any, any more of a, benefit for for her why wouldn't I mean, it be a benefit for her well i mean that's what they're I mean, if designed she's lost, to do well i get that but if she's lost I mean, might, body condition she, if she's lost sure. you know uh you know proteins minerals all those things that go into shelling and and producing eggs why why would she not want to bring those things back it you know if she's in a weakened state because of it what like what what is the benefit for her to remain on those eggs longer I yeah, mean, other to, than other than to bring her clutch to 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 hatching. Sure. I mean, theoretically, sure. Yeah, that's great. But we don't we don't know all those optimal set points like she does. Right. So it's it's very difficult to say, hey, if we do it optimally, then, yeah, that, that might work great for her. But I'm saying maybe we don't know what's optimal and, and but, it's but, better but, off for the eggs but, to be but by a lot by the of female. The, but, but by the data that you talked about, she she seems to go way up and way down and, and she doesn't hold them at an optimal temperature. She doesn't so that's, hold that's, them. Uh, that's the environment that she was in, right? And, right? and what do they do in nature? Does the sun not set? Does it not get a little chillier at night? Especially for some of these more but southern, is that like harder, a diamond but is, python. But is know? that harder on her? Because she's I don't having... Know. She's, I, she's having to expend energy after she's laid a clutch of eggs. Is it harder order, for, for snakes to have to, to brewmate? You know, do they have to, to, to hibernate? Is that harder on them? Maybe, but well, why do they do there's that? There's a trade-off, right? They, because, but, but why do they do that? Why do they brew? Yeah, it's just, just the way they've evolved, right? Their well, but, environment, but every, they're dealing with the environment. But every animal will exist in its lowest energy state that it has to. Right. Sure. And so if that animal has to exist at a higher energy state in order to get her eggs along, she will do that. But there is a re there is a cost to her to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? and that's so, why wild so, females don't reproduce every every year. And I guess I'm saying, you know, is that optimal to reproduce every year? Is that what you're saying? They should be able to well, gain body no, mass no, back faster no, no, so they can no, reproduce no, again sooner. No. Or what, I guess I guess part of what I'm saying is like, what if, what if what if these females uh, had optimal conditions, like in an incubator, right? And and they didn't have to necessarily worry about incubating their eggs for environmental differences that may be occurring. They didn't have to be that buffer, right? That's what they are. They're a buffer mm-hmm. to the yeah. environment, right? Sure. So if they didn't have to do that, they could go about their putting on their their you know eating, getting, getting their body conditioned back. So maybe they do produce that following year, but well, if I, they're I mentioned sitting on that, those that eggs, that's what some, you know, water pythons do. So it does absolutely. occur in nature. They'll leave their yeah. eggs in a thermal stable environment that has, and, you know, and, the conditions and I, that are I would, I would, I, I would gather to say that, uh, you know, burrowing species that can put their clutches down in, in the ground where it's fairly thermally stable and fairly, humidity constant probably are, 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 aren't as good at wrapping their eggs because they're used to being able to have to leave them and they can go on to do other things and, and then being able to come off of those eggs and do other things as an advent, you know, is advantageous to them. Right. So well, to so, them, but not necessarily to the offspring, like any goanna can climb down there, find the eggs and gulp them down. There's no protection for those eggs. And that's one of the natural, you know, things that, <laughs> that a female incubates her eggs for is to defend them. You know, you even get some species like king cobras that will stay close to the nest and nest guard and, and build a nest for their, their offspring. And, and, and that's things. a new, and there's, that's a nuanced argument because it depends on the type of species you're talking about. Well, some, it's a risk s- reward s- strategy, some, right? Yeah. Some Python moms are going to be goanna food right along with their eggs. So, well, and you, you know, can, you can, uh, you know, I, these I pythons like are probably able to, de- to, de- to defend, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like, there are, there are reasons why they're incubating their eggs. And so just because they can leave them in nature doesn't necessarily give Well, they're that, incubating them because they have that, to. Uh, well, no, cause some of the water pythons will incubate their eggs, even though they don't have to. It's, it's a kind of a risk reward type thing. So you have some that maybe are more risky, leave, leave their eggs, but then they can go eat and reproduce again sooner. And so maybe but, but there is a there, calculus to that. Sure. Sure. And, and I mean, right? it, it, it must have some advantage or, or none of them would do it. Right. So, right. but, but the fact that some remain with their eggs says, okay, maybe there's also a benefit to sticking with your eggs, defending them from predators and, and, you know, regulating temperatures or or moving your clutch if it's a bad spot or whatever. And and certainly, like I said, you know, artificial incubation, i.e. intervening with what we understand to be optimal conditions seems Mm. to leverage good outcomes in the same way that a female uh, maternally incubating rather than just being like, fuck it and leaving and chalking it up to nature is a better, is a better, um, you know, uh, a control than, than just nothing, than just chance, right? So, well, again, I don't know what we're assuming there, like what optimal or what better is. You know, it, it may be different, but I don't know that it's necessarily better. And if there are indeed well, uh, advantages, you know, given to the offspring by the female sticking with the eggs, which I would argue that there's a very good chance of that. Again, you know, maybe you do have the benefit of having your female reproduce again, but if they have better, stronger hatchlings when they maternally incubate, is that not something to consider as well? 
I mean, I think it's something to consider, but but why? But again, I would I would question why they got the data that that artificially incubated, or in this case, you know, hands off incubated, mm-hmm. not art, not necessarily artificially incubated, because that the you know the, the well, it's, they, a, they, it's a stable environment. I mean, it's not your refrigerator or whatever you know it's not yeah, like i mean it's that not precise it's not but it's, insulated it's, fairly, it's not con- it's not I mean, as controlled. equatorial africa where it's pretty consistent during you know certain times of the year especially when the eggs are being incubated and things so you know it's not that crazy and and they did pack there's them nobody, in like boxes no, and stuff like that and so, i get that but know. there's no human yeah. checking on it to say like oh sure this are. is too moist there's you know, they're, but they're not, they're not, they're not there to, I mean, this is their livelihood. They're at a farm. So I, I mean, get, and, and they, these are successful methods they've used for, you know, decades. I don't know. <laughs> so, so you're saying that, they, that they were not leaving these eggs in the ground and that, that they were going in and they were checking on them and that they were making changes based on what they saw or what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they were taking the eggs from the females as well and and weighing the clutches and stuff, like recording data throughout the study. So they were trying to maintain an optimal or a a good environment for the eggs to hatch. Like they wanted the eggs to hatch, but they were comparing their artificial incubation techniques in, in boxes in a hole in the ground versus the females incubating their eggs in, you know, in, in a in a natural, in a natural setting or whatever. So that was kind of the comparison. I don't know. I mean, read the study. It's very interesting. I send you the paper, but, um, sure. you know, they did show a benefit of, of maternal incubation. And, you know, I guess I, I keep going back to that, but I think that's kind of an important thing. Now, can, can a keeper make errors and set things up wrong? Of course. I, you know, when I first tried maternal incubation, I thought, oh, you know, she needs, it to be very humid in there. So I moistened the substrate quite a bit and the eggs on the bottom got, got too wet and they ended up dying, but the eggs on the top were fine and hatched out, you know, so it was kind of a, a lesson to learn. So, you know, make sure that you're, you're setting them up properly with a, um, and, and, uh, the next attempt I did was with a jungle carp and I basically had like this, um, uh, kind of ghetto cage that I made. It had, it was like two rubbermaids, attached to each other one was uh, opaque and the other one was clear and the clear one had like a, a basking light and then there was a hole down to the one below and in the in like the nest box part of the cage i had some green moss and i had just a big bowl of water in there so she could drink but then she you know laid her eggs wrapped them and and maternally incubated them in that uh setup and you know she hatched them out and it's pretty cool um that was my second go around with maternal incubation but and and you know those eggs were fine they they hatched out pretty well they looked pretty terrible when they did hatch i was worried that they were not good but um they they would it worked out pretty good so you know there is some element of of setting things up properly to to allow that now a lot of times like we think we know what the female needs and i know that I've heard people talk about this where the female will lay her eggs, you know, outside of the nest box in an area where they didn't think it was the best temperature or whatever, but she knows, you know, and she's going to put it where she thinks it has the best chance of success because that's what they've evolved to do. Right. And I think 
sometimes they've even moved the female with her eggs to somewhere else. And then she moves them back <laughs> to where she had them. And so it's like, okay, I get it. You want them here. So I'll let you do what you need to do. And, and of course there are some females that don't do a good job and the eggs can crash, you know, while they're incubating them. So, you know, there's definitely, um, not every female is that bright or that. Well, and I, you know, so, so I'm going to yield a one to you, uh, mm-hmm. for you. Here's a, here's a gimme. You can All right. take, take it for free. Gimme, and, gimme, you gimme. know, we, we talked about stress in reptiles and I think, you know, going up really high in temperature and then going low and down in temperature. We don't understand how that external environmental stress, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on with that embryo when it's, when it's developing, but certainly, um, you know, one could make an argument that, that, that external stress is, is actually a positive thing. Uh, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that perhaps, and, and maybe that's a mechanism why, uh, people seem to think that maternal incubation in that, in that up and down and, or that, you know, natural, um, Mm -hmm. uh, hill and valley of, of, of temperature and humidity, um, are, are, you know, produces better eggs. Maybe there's a, a secondary environmental, you know, benefit to it that, sure. that we just don't understand. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe that that's true, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that what we see is such something that is vastly, um, different, uh, between maternal and artificial. I mean, I think if you had, uh, you know, uh, if you could see a, a marketed difference in mortality and vitality uh, in, in between the two methods, then maybe I would say, okay, yeah, I, I definitely hear you that, um, you know, maybe one is better than the other, but I think, it, you know. Um, th- sure. The jury's but, still out, right? Yeah. The jury's right. definitely still out. Right. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I, th- I don't think, I don't think it's wrong either way. And I think, you know, the mom probably can get a, a suboptimal condition through better than we can because she knows, you know, she has those sensory inputs to, to understand what's optimal because, you know, she's, she's the Python and we're the human, you know, we're the food monkey. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in the same way that nobody can tell, you know, nobody can tell you what's better for you than you. Right. Like that, that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, like, they also can't, they also don't have the ability to create the most stable environment. We can do that. So if we do understand what, what works pretty well, and I think, you know, you get plenty of keepers who are really good at, at incubating eggs and they get, they get, they, they understand that what they're, you know, what, what they're hatching, what they like, where, what, what does well for them, especially when they've had repeated success. And you see these people knocking out artificial incubations with hundred percent hatch rates, great looking, you know, robust animals. So, I mean, you know, it's, it, I I don't think there's one, one better than the other. Um, and, and I think it, you know, if, if you're not really great at, at artificial incubation, then mom can kind of limp you along, right? Uh, or, or do it maybe better than you can. But if you're really, mm-hmm. really good at artificial incubation, maybe you can set this up better than she can. And, and, and mm. maybe you get some benefit by getting her, you know, so she's not worrying about those eggs. She can move on. She can, uh, 
eat some more, do her and do, you know, go about her life uh, rather than tying up her, her resource time uh, on those eggs. Yeah. I mean, obviously if you're farming, you know, reptiles and you need the females to produce optimally and produce more clutches, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense to take them away and to artificially incubate them. Um, but I, you know, I think you're missing out. I think, you know, it's, uh, more rewarding for the keeper to, to see those babies emerge from the mother's coils and to, to have that experience, to see how it's, you know, evolved to, to be done. It's kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, it's hard to, hard to argue against that. I think <laughs> felt pretty good hatching out Tracy a two years in a row artificially. Sure. sure. Saying, I, I'm not saying, saying, I'm not saying it's, it's not that way, but, um, you know, seeing them, seeing them come out of the, the mother's coils is something else. And, no, and I, I think it's, I, I don't disagree with back. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would be really uh, a cool thing to have, you know, I, I, I'm really excited for, uh, Ari Flagel's, uh, reptile park out in texas with those mm -hmm. giant enclosures and i'm hoping that you know he'll allow those animals to maybe incubate their eggs on exhibit or things like that you know that'd be pretty cool to see them kind of in a more naturalistic setup to see kind of what they do and maybe learn more about um art of you know the the maternal incubation process as it may occur in the wild i know that uh um in that secret life secret social lives of reptiles um where they talk about that being one of the social aspects of, of reptiles is that maternal or, or parental care right and if the females allowed to do that and we, we don't know a lot about it how it how it occurs in nature or you know a lot of they mentioned that you know a lot of nests of reptiles haven't been found you know we talk about green tree pythons and nobody's found a female incubating eggs or, or very, maybe, maybe one or two have been found, you know, it's very, um, rare occurrence to be able to find a female on eggs. Now with, uh, some of the more, um, you know, some of the pythons that can do better in human disturbed areas, like a coastal carpet python, or, um, you'll, you'll see them more often in maybe people's, uh, compost bins things like that where you know they they're they're hanging out in there and and there was actually we're, we're including a picture in the book but there were there's a picture of two females incubating their eggs in somebody's compost bin so obviously, which is interesting because uh, compost yeah. bins if they're active can get quite hot oh sure yeah quite yeah. hot uh -huh. so i you know i'm not sure all the specifics on the the bin but you know it's pretty interesting that two females picked that spot and well i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure they you know i'm sure the females checked it out and said oh man this is the right temperature yeah and as long yeah. as you're not turning that compost bin it's not going to heat up anymore you know so so i think as far as like aesthetics or connecting with nature um you know having that opportunity to, to maternally incubate is really cool obviously there there's some risk especially in a captive environment where you know you may not understand what the female needs and so you try your best to provide it but you might mess things up and you know it may may be a little bit of a learning process but uh definitely rewarding and, and worth the efforts sure well, and, and, you know, uh, conversely, you, you may want to just try and, and let her incubate them and she may mess those things up. And there's always old faithful that back there in your incubator, you can put those <laughs> eggs in and, and, uh, get it done yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And it doesn't hurt to have an, an incubator waiting. Cause yeah, you do have some females that don't really 
know what they're doing or don't see. I mean, on the other yeah. side of every maternal incubation yeah. <laughs> is a keeper who's got an incubator ready to go. Sure. Yeah. And I think it was, it wasn't an Eric that was going to just incubate everything maternally. And then one of the females didn't wrap her eggs right. And he was scrambling to see yeah. if Owen could put him in his incubator or something, something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense to have, have a, an incubator at the ready. And I, you know, I've had females where they like, there's a big pile of eggs right here and they're wrapped all distorted around two eggs. You know, they've got two little beehives around one mm -hmm. around, around each egg. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, it's so bizarre. And, and I think, you know, maybe they're, who knows with domestication, maybe as we breed them more and more generations in captivity, if they kind of lose some of that sense of how to do it right, or I don't know, um, that'd be an interesting study too, to see if, you know, several generation captive bred animals are able to maternally incubate as well as, you know, wild caught females or something like that. But yeah, obviously there's, there's uh downsides to, to either, uh, either or, and I, you know, I'm, I've been doing this for a while and I don't have artificial incubation, uh, you know, perfect yet. And I still lose eggs. Like I was saying, the Woma eggs, I've got most of the clutch crashed already. So yeah, is that I was a just going to say, how, of, uh, how, how, what, what percentage of artificial versus maternal do you do? Um, yeah, most of my, I just want to get, I just yeah. want to gut check your, yeah. I just want to no, gut check your, yeah. And, and a lot of, I, I've, I've maternally incubated pygmy pythons, jungle carpets, children's, um, centralian carpets I did. Uh, and, and they all had pretty good results. Um, sometimes, you know, it's better than others, but I, I wouldn't say that all my cages are, are the best set up for maternal. And that's a, one of the big reasons I usually take the the eggs for artificial because I don't trust my setup all the way. But if mm -hmm. I could, you know, if I had unlimited space and unlimited resources, I could make some pretty sweet cages that I would definitely maternally incubate every time, you know? So you're right. Yeah. Um, most of my stuff's artificial incubation and, and I've got a nice big incubator right behind me here, uh, sitting there at temperature. So yeah, yeah good times. But anyway, I still think there's, you know, it's really a, a cool experience to do maternal incubation, even if you can't do it with, with every clutch. Sure. So. Well, I think, I, I think, you know, just being a more well-rounded, uh, keeper who understands, you know, natural history and how, how, how it's done, uh, you know, in the wild can help you give you insight and make you a better, uh, breeder and, and keeper of, of, you know, whatever it is that you're keeping. So I, I yeah. you know, all, 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 all things are good. Uh, just mm -hmm. everything has its place, I think, you know, and, so and I, you're going to maternally incubate those Tracy eggs this year. No, that's not what's going to oh, happen. Chuck. I did. You've learned nothing. You've Listen, learned nothing. <laughs> I, I have done way too good. Knock on wood yeah. with the past two clutches to, to maternally incubate them. See, and oh, Ruby, knocked on the door. Now Ruby, Ruby and Chewy agree with me. They're like, hell no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, that's uh those are pretty precious clutches. So yeah. Um, well, I think uh, hopefully you guys got something out of the, this uh, fight and, and um, consider maybe the other side that you haven't considered or haven't tried, maybe give it a try. 
Uh, maybe don't start out with uh, Tracy A. Clutch, but, you know, I, I started out with uh, children's pythons kind of as an intro I, and, you know, start out with something you might be able to lose and not, not uh, lose your shirt or something. You know, don't, don't risk it on a Bullens Python clutch or something, but you know, there's uh there's definitely something good. And, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if you've got, if you've got a pair of Bullens Pythons to get eggs, you're a big roller anyway. You can, <laughs> yeah, that's you, true. You, you can roll the dice. You're high, you're high, you're at the high stakes table in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of like, there was a lot of discussion with the green tree keeper group, right. On, on incubation and whether yeah. or not they were, and there were people that had different regimens of, you know, you got to increase it here and decrease the temperature there. And you know, all that, all these different crazy regimens. And I think some, some of the keepers didn't really buy into that and just ma- you know maintain them at a stable temperature, but some yeah. kind of swore that they needed that fluctuation in temperature. But I mean, green trees come from such a stable environment as it is. Like yeah. there's not a lot of fluctuation, no. even day to night there yeah. or season to season. It's pretty much a stable 75, yeah. you know, 78 I, degrees all year round. So. I mean, I would almost wonder how, how, you know, whether they're on the eggs all the time. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so it's stable. They, they probably could come off the eggs and take mm-hmm. an opportunistic meal and then go back onto them if they wanted mm-hmm. to. So it would be interesting to see more, more, uh, you know, more female, more females with eggs, uh, you know, yeah. see, see what they're doing in the wild. But, um, and I've, I've done know. that a few times where I've offered meals to females that are artificially inc- or maternally incubating. And, and sometimes they'll take a, take mm-hmm. a meal while they're on the eggs, you know, not yeah. always, but especially towards the latter end, you know, and, and so maybe you can do have kind of the best of both worlds where, and this, you know, I, this is another kind of theory with, uh, Anteresia that the, well, they did a study with crocodiles and I, I tried to track this down and I actually found the original quote for this, but they had painted crocodile eggs with like a strawberry flavor. And then when the babies, like they, they painted some eggs with strawberry and they painted others with just nothing, you know, no flavor or whatever. And then when the eggs hatched, they offered the babies strawberries and the ones that they'd painted the eggs with strawberry flavor ate the strawberries, whereas the other ones didn't not, you know, not a hundred percent, but they would take, they would recognize strawberries as food. Um, because their eggs were painted with that scent. Um, and it was, you know, a difference between the two. Now I, I kind of thought maybe that would apply to Anteresia. And if they're the females eating a mouse while she's incubating the clutch, maybe that smell would get on the eggs and, and they would be more apt to take rodent prey. Now I, I think, uh, Nick did a few experiments where he took like a piece of pantyhose and put a bunch of like rodent bedding in, in the sections of pantyhose and put that in and incubated the eggs with that thing. I think he said it just turned into a nasty mess. So he wasn't sure how, how that benefited, you know, or or had any benefit, but, um, you know, interesting to think about and, uh, potentially you could have some kind of, um, external clues in the eggs that the female can communicate, you know, to the eggs that could actually provide a benefit down the road as well. So, I don't know, interesting things to consider, but definitely studies need to be done to, to look into this and, 
if you're listening, Dr. Lofman, you can <laughs> put a student on that. And I think, uh, I feel like in every episode now, it's like, <laughs> all right, Dr. Lofman, another <laughs> yeah. one for you. He's right? going to be the busiest guy in herpetoculture. Well, right you know, that's, that's where, that's where those kind of things come yeah. from. Right. And, and Lucas is looking at that in, in as part of his studies is maternal versus, uh, oh, artificial yeah, yeah, incubation. Yeah. Right. So right. it'll be interesting I, I to he see he what his having, results give. He was having, he was having a hard time with it. Was it, was it, was there? Well, was, I mean, he's had some challenges yeah. around it, which, Oh, sure. Sure. That's and the way research know, goes. It's hard to predict which ones are going to lay for sure. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing, yeah. or if they're going to have good eggs or not, you know? So, you know, you, you assign a female to a group and then all of a sudden she's got a slug clutch and you're like, Oh crap. What do yep, I do they're, now? They're yeah, winter. Gotta, yep. No yep. doubt. And no I doubt. suggested too, like, uh, and I think, um, you know, a more, more scientific way to do that would be to take half the clutch and let the female maternally incubate half the clutch and artificially incubate the other half of the clutch. So you're comparing apples to apples because, you know, there's factors, um, with the, the females as well. You know, if you have a larger female, maybe she has, you know, or, or if the eggs are smaller in a clutch versus larger eggs. And, and you see that occasionally like more, um, smaller eggs versus less larger eggs that that's a reproductive strategy of, of different females. So, and that can be within the same species. And so, you know, what if you have one of your experimental animals have a clutch of larger eggs and, oh, they, they, they had larger babies. Well, duh, they were larger eggs, you know? So if you can split the clutches up, then that helps to compare apples to apples to some extent, because you can say if they're artificially incubated in these circumstances and this, you know, same clutch is maternally incubated in these circumstances, but then you got to, do you got to fill the void volume where the rest of the eggs would be in the clutch or, you know, there's all sorts of other questions you can ask, but all right. Well, good discussion, man. <laughs> well, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, Not good, bad. good topic. Thanks Lucas. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry I butchered your name, but you gave us a great topic. So hopefully you'll forgive us that we uh, got your topic on air. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that does it for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. We'll um, acknowledge our parent company. <laughs> this uh, episode was brought to you by Morelli Python's Radio Network. Um, thanks to the... Uh, Podfather and all his efforts to get these wonderful podcasts out there. Support them, listen to them, be a Patreon, whatever it takes. Uh, keep this stuff going. Hopefully, Eric doesn't wear himself out with all the podcasts he's putting out because he's got a lot. Yeah, check out their new one, the Gakota um, Radio. Gakota Radio, is that what it's called? Mm. I should have looked that up. Anyway, Gakota, it's cool. Talking about geckos. Who doesn't like geckos? Check it out. You can be better at it than Justin. <laughs> okay. All right. Ah, sorry. Still feisty. Well, you, you know, you, you gotta, you, you haven't calmed down yet. When you, when you, wind, when you wind me up and let me go, <laughs> there we you, go. You don't, you get what you get. <laughs> and this is a little later episode. So we're a little testy and cranky and tired and during daylight savings, but yeah. Did we, we didn't look Shit. into that. We should have looked up daylight savings. Why, why we have daylight savings. I'm sure everybody's at the edge of their seat yeah. <laughs> or yelling at their, their, yeah. uh, podcast. We are literally and, probably the only people you idiots. Yeah. yeah. I still think it's farming. 
Nah. Tell Heather, tell Heather she's wrong. Wow. <laughs> I try to tell my wife she's wrong, but she ain't hearing that shit. That doesn't go over well. Come no, on, huh. no, she's always right. <laughs> Just like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Another good fight. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys will check us out next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Hopefully, we get a report on the trip. I'm excited to. To herp with you, man. Should be fun. Woo-hoo! So check us out next week. We'll check you later. Justin says, let go of my ego. I say no. Fight Club.